We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to another episode of Home Visit with Tyler Siski and the Associates, joined as always by my man, the myth, the legend, D.J. Elliott. D.J., how are we doing this wonderful Monday morning? Doing great, man. I'm doing great. You know, I was, we, we both had a decent weekend. You know, I, I Mr. Yeah. 50-50 is no longer Mr. 50-50. I actually went four and two. Okay. Um, you also went four and two. So guess what? I didn't get to. I didn't. I didn't make up any ground this week because we we both went four and two. Um, I got to be honest with you, DJ. I was. Um, there was a moment I was kind of pissed off on Saturday. You took the Kentucky Big Blue Nation Wildcats. Go Cats! Plus twenty two and a half. And I look. The game was over with. I really, you know, the game was over with. So, at this point in time, once the game was over with, I'm really pulling for Georgia to stop Kentucky because I was trying to catch you. You know what I mean? I'm trying to catch you. Right. I knew that was a game that you would lose. And so, I was kind of pulling, you know, hoping to stop. And my man, Mark Stoops, like it was like the perfect two-minute drill at the end of the game, <laughs> drives down, the last play of the game, scores to yep. cover. Yep, and called a I timeout mean, to get there. Called a timeout to cover. Yep. Yeah, it was. Look, uh, it was. Co- what do you think about like you? You think there's a you think there's a uh, strategy in that? Because I do. Well, let me just say this, okay? Obviously, I was very happy to see them score at the end because that gave me my four and two record, and that means that I'm teeing off first today on the on the number one tee. But there's two ways to look at it because you're looking at it like. Was the spread in mine, and if they called timeout and they covered, is that going to look better? And and I get that. I mean, I, I can see where you're coming from there. But let's look at it from another angle. It was a 22-play drive that ended <laughs> at the one-yard line. I don't know if there wasn't any person on that sideline that didn't want to see that thing punched in the end zone. 
Yeah, you and can so, from an offensive standpoint, from an offensive coach's standpoint. I mean, right. at that point, you, you feel like, by God, we just had a 22. And there's a lot of things. And I want – yes, and look, there's going to be some side angles here to where people are like, hey, he knew Kentucky people bet on that game he was trying to cover. Correct. I don't think that was the case. I'm with you because from an offensive coach's standpoint, okay, all right, we're going to lose the game, right? We all know we're losing the game. So, when you lose the game, you got to have something to build on Moving, moving forward, and now you can go, and now on your offense, you can go in there and say, look, by God, we just had a 22-play drive against arguably the best de- to end the game. We finished with a 22-play drive to stuff it in the end zone versus arguably the best defense of this generation. Right. So and you so got things to that, build on. And that's, what, and that's why I'm looking at it from a coach's perspective. I, 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 I'll be honest with you, man, there were a lot of – Happy and unhappy fans from that spread. I mean, I, the stuff I saw on Twitter was just pure anger or pure, you know, <laughs> excitement. I mean, and everything was geared towards the spread. Like, everybody thought for sure the spread was in his mind. But I'm just looking at it from a coach's perspective. That's something to build off of. Just like you said, a 22-play drive against the best defense in the country. If you don't finish that with points, you know, it's, it's, it's not near the – you know, the goal that you wanted to reach. Yeah, I think I think at that point, I don't know, you know, now Georgia, on the other hand, like we talked about, I guess it was last week or the week before, whatever right. it was, you know, they were they were playing a little soft, keeping everything in front, and but they were trying to, you know, reduce the possessions, okay? And, Correct. And once they did that, but, I mean, and then, you know, then it got to a point where they didn't want them to score either, but it got they got down, they just used so much time getting to like the, it's just like we talked about last week with Georgia, every yard's a stressful yard. And so, right. you know, by the they used up so much clock by the time they got to like the plus forty or whatever it was, plus thirty five. The, the game was so over. The game was yeah. over. So let's just let's uh, let's try to finish the game. So, and and look, that and that's what you do on defense, right? You you try to make sure that you win the game, and so you give them some. I, I'll tell you something that was interesting though is the the two plays before the score were inside zone, and and that thing on the one yard line went for nothing. I mean nothing. Now, yeah, not a good they idea. Find, they finally had to get their big tight ends out on the perimeter and throw a screen uh, to their wide out and have their tight ends block the DBs. I knew I knew as soon as they lined up at the one-yard line, I felt like I was like Kirby because I'm trying – I don't want them to score. So I'm yelling at the TV probably like Kirby was yelling at the defense like because the offensive coordinator from Kentucky came from the NFL, right? So he came right. he came from the Rams, okay? Well, the NFL short yardage pass play is that play. That's what everybody runs now. This is this out, you know, they take – they're in three-by-one, some version of three-by-nub or whatever, and they bring an outside receiver, and basically it's like an inside screen that they only have to – because they're trying to – you know, you're getting them in man coverage, Right. And so right. what they're counting on is either the guy going over the top or them bump, uh, bumping to where they're going to be soft and all he's got to get is a yard. So he just stuffs right. in there. I was yelling, here it comes, swap it, swap, switch it, switch it, switch it, switch it. And, they yeah. and uh, yeah, they didn't hear me from the TV. So they didn't hear okay. my switch call from the – so <laughs> he went in there unmolested. So, but it is what it is. So. <laughs> it is. All right, so we're going we're gonna to move on to the next one. We'll probably spend a little time here, uh, LSU and Florida. So, first of all, I would like to tell all LSU fans that listen, and we got a t- we've got a bunch of new listeners last couple of weeks. We've been, we've been kind of blowing up, DJ. So, we've got okay. a bunch of LSU fans in here. So, here, here's what I want to tell you all. You are welcome, 
okay? And the reason that you are welcome is because I picked Florida. And so LSU continues. I literally said this last week on the podcast. LSU had no chance. But since I picked Florida last week, I pretty much guaranteed LSU the win. So LSU fans, you are welcome. And like I said, every single LSU game, I text you on Saturday. I tell you, it's unbelievable. Every single game that I pick with LSU involved, I lose. So if I pick Florida to cover, LSU just wins it outright. If I had picked LSU to cover, Florida will beat them by 60. So I can't. So LSU fans, the, the voodoo is real. Uh, you're welcome. So there you go. That's right. Tune in every week, LSU fans, to see who Tyler picks. Yeah, I may just do it every week from here on out. Just, I may yeah. may start taking like wagers, like anybody wants to, or taking like you know somebody can slip me some money and I can start picking the other side. But <laughs> anyway, uh, so that one, was, that one big, was a shootout. That one was a shootout. Blew my mind. Like, uh, yeah. like I really credit to I, LSU found a running game. I don't know where it came from, and not only did they find a running game. Homie breaks the all-time single-game rushing record held by Leonard Fournette. I, I don't even know the guy's name. Like, he just came out of nowhere. Smith, I don't, I don't know his name. We'll call him Smith. Scott Smith, something like that. But anyway, the guy runs for like almost three, three bills against Florida. How about that? And they just they, – they dominate. I mean, they really dominated the game. Um, and then got salt like the Hail Mary before half. It was just a weird – the whole – everything surrounding this game was weird, right? Mm-hmm. Um, did you – the Hail Mary before half? I saw that. that. Five, five guys were like watching the guy fair catch it. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, he didn't uh, even have to jump. I mean, the guy no. the guy could have fair caught. I mean, it's just – it was a weird deal. Um, it was strange. Then, obviously, here's what we got to talk about. The firing I, – I guess you call it a firing, but Ed O – getting uh, let go at uh, LSU. And just how surprised were you after after a win that that happened? I was very surprised because I would have thought that after a win like that, that there would be some momentum. There's a chance he may win some more games. And like, like I've always said, I mean, judge the coach at the end of the season. It's a long season and, you know, every game is – is important, but they're all just one game. So you have to judge the coach based on the entire season. And after a win like that, I was just shocked. Yeah, I got all kind. Of, I mean, I, I'm my mind's blown a little bit. Um, one, the timing of it, like why now? Like I just, I'm curious. You know, they said they reached a deal before or whatever, but why announce it? Like you're almost telling, like you, you just made. If he's going to coach the rest of the year, okay. And look, I'm going to give credit to. Well, credit's due, okay? I don't know, Ed Orgeron, we've talked on the phone one time, okay? We talked on the phone one time. That's the only conversation I've ever had. I take that back. When I was a high school coach, he came and recruited one day. He came to in the spring to see our kids. So I've, I've had two conversations with a guy in my entire life, all right? Now, I know a bunch of people, obviously, that know him, work with him, all that stuff, but not me personally. So – you hear all, I mean, and trust me, I've heard plenty of stories, okay? The guys, you know, in the coaching world, the, le- the stories are, le- uh, are of legend, right? So, that we will not discuss on here. Um, but why now? Like, if their agreement was already that he was going to coach the rest of the year and you've agreed to do whatever, like, I don't understand. You just basically shot yourself in the foot. Like, I don't understand why you would tell – 
the whole world that you're done. You're going to coach the rest of the season, but you're done at the end of the year, halfway through the season. That's just dumb. Like now, I mean, we've already talked about. It. I'm not, I'm not going to go into all the transfer portal stuff and all that stuff. But now you've just basically opened the door for kids to opt out, okay, and kids not to play hard. It's going to be hard for him to keep because he coaches hard now, okay. The one thing about Ed is he coaches hard, and I know that for a fact. Well, when he starts coaching a kid hard in two weeks or this week and whatever. What's to keep the kid from just telling the coach to kiss his ass and, and not do it because you're not going to be here to disassemble? I mean, you know, there's no accountability because you're going to be gone at the end of the year. Right. Like, I, it's, I, I don't know. I'm, I mean, just I'm, I'm not people. a fan of it. I mean, I, I like coaches finishing the season and then being judged at the end of the year for all those reasons that you said, you know, the players, um, the culture, the, the, uh, you know, the hope, I mean, you take away somebody's hope, you take away everything, you know, and um, I, I just don't think it's fair to the student athletes when you do that, but, no, you know, especially, you know, you got seniors here, this is their last year, they, this is the year they've been looking for, you know, and then that's just going to create, you know, some issues within the program and, 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 and prevent them from having the kind of year that they want to have. I'm just, you know, as a coach, I just think you should evaluate coaches at the end of the year and make the decision. I think that's best for the student athletes and for the coaches. Yeah, and at the end of the day, at the end of the day, they've lost three games, okay? They lost to UCLA, who's pretty good. Right. They lost to Auburn, by the way, to who I had in my money line pick and hit pretty convincingly. Yep. Right. Um, and then they lost to Kentucky, who was pretty damn good. Okay. Correct. Um, and so they're four and three, and they go in. They beat they beat Florida. Okay, and the Auburn game was wire to wire. They're not a bad team. Um, they got talent, and the thing that was probably most more impressive, like I was really, just to be honest with you, and I'll tell you why I picked them last week too, was all these guys that were opting out after the Kentucky loss, and they kind of they almost looked like they had quit against Kentucky. That's what they had looked like. They looked like they quit in that game. And then for them to come back and play like they did against Florida, that says a lot about, you know, getting somebody to play and motivations and things like that. So that part I was I was really impressed about. Now, I will say this. To credit to Ed Orgeron, okay, they're fixing to get him $17 million to not coach. Okay, That's 17 amazing. plus, plus 17 plus million dollars to not coach. So he's not – worried about anything, but to his credit, and you, and you know this, how many people in our industry would have said we're taking their check and ran? Yeah. A bunch. I, I would right. say most of them. But for him to be, he kind of, I mean, of all the things you can say as bad a stuff as you want to say about it, Orgeron, and we're going to talk about that too, but you can say all the stuff you want to say about him. But you can't say he's a quitter. Okay, because he's never quit. And the thing I probably like about him the most is during all this time after a loss and the media goes right after him, he answers every question. And he and he will he will get up to that mic and he'll look you eye to eye and he's gonna answer every question. He's not gonna shy away from nothing. He's not gonna cancel media. Hey, I'm canceling a press conference today. No, sir. He's gonna go up there and he's gonna he's going to address everything. And as a as a man, I respect that. I do. I respect I respect him doing that. Well, he's very popular with the LSU fans. I mean, he's one of their own. Here's a guy from Louisiana, okay, a guy that um, is energy. He's known for his recruiting prowess. He's he's 
he's a guy that, I mean, shoot, he won a national championship there. I mean, it's not like he's unpopular. Two years ago. Yeah, two years ago. It's not like he's unpopular with the LSU fans. I mean, he's very popular with them. And I think the fact that he's willing to coach the season and give it everything he's got, even though he doesn't have to, knowing that he's not going to be there next year, shows that he's not a quitter. I agree. But also I think that shows how much he loves LSU and loves Louisiana and wants to finish on a high note and uh, wants to possibly, you know, be around in the future. I mean, if you want to be around in the future, you got to You got to end the right way. You know, you got to leave the right way. And I think that's on, on uh, Ed Ogeron's mind. Yeah. And the last thing I want to talk about with this LSU deal before we move on is I was DJ. I was really pissed off yesterday, man. I got to be honest with you. I, I got really pissed off yesterday. So, I'm coaching in a baseball tournament yesterday, and, you know, Sunday, not expecting a whole lot of college news, and I really had no no clue that he was going to get fired yesterday. I don't think – a lot of people didn't think it was going to occur yesterday. Well, he gets fired, and then throughout the day, after he gets fired, okay, after he gets fired, you got ESPN, you got The Athletic writing these trash pieces – going after Ed O, he's already been fired. Like, what the hell do you want? He's already been fired. They're writing, you know, he oh, he's fired. Oh, this is the real life of what really occurs down in Baton Rouge, or this is how he really is, or this is this or this. Like, that's chicken shit. Why don't you write that three weeks ago? Write that four weeks ago. And to wait, and then, and then the guy's already fired. He's already beat down. He, the, the deed is done. Let it like I don't understand the once somebody's fired, let it's over. Okay, you got what you wanted. He's out of there. Stop writing the trash pieces on the guy. There's no reason for that, and that pisses me off. It really does. It legitly pisses me off when people write shit that that's that that has no effect on the outcome. It's already over. He's fired. Okay, he's gone. He's quit. Whatever it is. But to go and then try to uh, just slander the guy. I felt like I was watching, I was in the grocery store line and I'm looking at a National Enquirer deal. I'm talking about slander, okay? And, you know, whether it's true or it's not, that's not, I don't, I, I'm not, I don't judge the guy, okay? Because that's not my job. I try not to judge people, okay? Because that's, they're going to have to pay for, you know, when you, you do stuff, you're going to have to pay for it one way or the other, okay? That's not my job to judge people. And to write all these freaking, I mean, big time publications. The Athletic, I read one of those, and I started to read the ESPN shit, and I, and I, I just I stopped because it just pissed me off. I was like, why write it now? The guy got fired yesterday, like this morning. You got what you wanted. I, I'm just – I'm hot about that if you can't tell. But, no, I, I, I can tell. And you're like me. When it comes to sports, I want to read about sports. I mean, I didn't get into athletics to read about gossip. You know what I mean? So, for me, I want to read about – the game I want to read about wins and losses I want to read about coaching and I want to read about playing and that's really the only thing I want to read about and this other stuff is just you're like me it's it's not what I it's not what I'm interested in yeah and and and, and this is the thing so last week which is great after we taped last week last week turned into all these journalists attacking journalists last week about their credibility and all this stuff like they were going at each other and it was freaking great because this is what really pisses me off about the whole deal is it's guys like this that write this shit, okay? It's these guys that when they got attacked last week because they've made their whole living, okay, their whole namesake, the reason people know who they are is because 
they attack the character of a coach, a player. They criticize calls and all this stuff. That's how they they're 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 critical people. That's how they get their name known. The first time that anyone in their own industry with any credibility attacked them about their generalistic abilities, they folded. They are the softest people. They couldn't take it. They couldn't take the criticism. They folded and got so defensive. It was unbelievable. It was greatest. It was single-handedly for me. I loved that because it was a great week last week watching them all fold uh, like little little kids. So anyway, all right, I'm gonna move on. I'm, I'm hot. That gets me hot, DJ. This is gonna be this is gonna be this is gonna be uh, full tilt today. If you can't already tell. All right, all right, all right. So let's move on to the. Uh, the craziness that occurred in Knoxville on Saturday night. I mean, we can't not have a podcast that? without. T- uh, oh I mean, my gosh! Right. How about that? I don't even know where to start. Uh, I mean, there's so many things. It was just, it was insane. So here's where we're gonna start. All right, I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna start with the flops. Okay, I couldn't tell. Okay. This game went on. It started at six thirty. Uh, it got over. Some, I don't even know what time. It was the longest football game ever because I couldn't tell if I was watching LeBron play basketball or if I was watching or if I was watching a soccer match. I'm talking about like <laughs> flops everywhere. And I don't know, but here's the bad part. And we'll we'll talk about uh we'll talk about this. I'll let you talk about this here in a second. But here's the problem with the flops, okay? It is a problem. Okay. But you have to be very careful about how you address this, okay? Because not all of them are flops, okay? Right. Like, I'm I'm 100% convinced. I, I almost can tell when somebody's hurt or not. I mean, you can – I don't know. I, I've been around a lot. Like, the Campbell kid at Ole Miss, the linebacker, when he went down, he was legitly hurt, mm-hmm. okay? Um, some of them were not. Some of them were cramps, you know. Uh, but cramps will take it, you down now. A cramp will – I mean, I you know, can't play with a cramp. I agree. You know? But here's the deal. Is it, it was like 65 degrees, and, you know, Matt Corral, he ran for about 8,000 yards on about 75 carries Saturday night, and he didn't cramp up. So, there was – the cramps only occurred on defense, though. That was the – that was so it, was, it must have been whatever the defense ate in the pregame meal was didn't have enough sodium in it because <laughs> the cramps only occurred on the defensive side of the ball. That's, uh, all, now, that's now, all I'm saying. Uh, now you're attacking defensive kids. Now I'm going to have to step in there. I mean, that's all let's, I'm saying. Let's, let, let's just be honest here, though, okay? All right. It takes <laughs> a lot of energy, maybe the most energy of any position to play defensive line. I mean, all right, you so tell me. But if I told you this, you, but if I but you if tell I told me you one, one team that plays the same D lineman the whole game, none. It's America. Before. All right. I but very rarely, very rarely. But yet, every offensive line plays the whole game. So it's not just that they're tougher; it's that it it it's so exhausting. It's so exhausting that position. I mean, that would be like telling your offensive line every snap, "Hey, run to the ball." Not only block that guy, but after they throw the pass, turn and sprint to the ball and don't stop until you get there. Every snap, you know what I'm saying? And yep. so. Uh, and then at corner, here's my thing, because you're an offensive guy, I'm a defensive guy. You'll throw a fade. You'll throw a yep. fade, right? All right? And then before the corner's even back to Send get the freshman position, in, there's another guy in there running another fade. I mean, oh, before yeah. he's even back. So the fact that cramps happen more often on defense, I'm not saying you're not right with some of the flops, but 
I mean, they're at a disadvantage when it comes to catching your breath. We don't control the tempo. You do. The defense doesn't control the tempo. You do. And so some of those kids are getting exhausted, man. That's all I'm going to say. All right, so I did this a lot as a receivers coach, okay? If I had, if we were playing against a good corner, okay, and especially, you know, when you're playing teams that you know, like if they're going to go left corner, right corner, instead of mm-hmm. flopping back and forth, if I knew where you were lined up every play, if early in the game, like we're running inside zone or something, I'm taking my guy out. And I know if you're a man coverage team, this happened probably twice or three times a year. I would take their best corner and I would just – and if it's an inside zone, whatever it is, and I say, hey, go run him off. And when, and they knew going the week, your job this week is to run a go route as fast as you can. I'd find the fastest guy. Because a lot of times you have, like, young guys that can really run. They're just not ready to play. And so, buddy, I'll, I'll put them in there at X or Z. If they're matched up against a good corner, they're in man coverage, and I will yeah. run him 50 yards down the field. And it's the inside right. zone, whatever it is. We're going to do that. And, and so later on the game, you know, hopefully get him a little little tired. And if he's a half step behind, we we, we, we win. So – uh, or he may I did that a lot. Or he cramps. But yeah. there was but there was 101 snaps taking place on offense and nobody cramped. But there was on like 68, 7, whatever it was, and the guys were freaking cramping all the time. But anyway, long but story that's, short. But, all right. But all I'm saying is if you're cramping on offense, you come out. If you're cramping on defense, yeah. you can't come out because you, you don't control the tempo. You're cramping on yeah. you cramping on offense. You come, hey, you. give me a wide. You give me a wide out. Another guy comes in. You're cramping on defense. You can't say, "Hey, give me another DB," because the ball might be getting snapped. Oh well. Yeah. It was just a lot of cramps. Oh, all right, we'll call it that. A lot of cramps <laughs> on defense. About twenty five of them. I, I, let me tell you who. Let me tell you who should have cramped up. I gotta give uh-huh. my man some props here. Who got more TV time Saturday night than he's gotten in his entire career was my man Pat Jernigan, the, the trainer at Ole Miss. The dude. The dude was on TV. And it got so bad. Let me tell you when I knew it was bad. This was my first clue. When I said, okay, maybe there is some flopping going on. Like, after about the 17th one, Pat Jernigan stopped even coming out there. It was like he had sent a student out there. I think he was tired. I think Pat was tired. I think Pat started cramping up. He had an IV. He disappeared. Yeah, he he had to get an IV. Because he stopped. But after about – I looked out there. I was like, hey, there's no Pat. There's no team doc. It was just some student trainer – you know, it was probably a graduate assistant or something out there checking on guys. I'm like, all right. so I started, you know, I started, you know, yeah. start putting the pieces together. So, anyway. Well, you got to be what... careful. You got to be careful, too. I mean, look at the Iowa game last week. You know, the crowd booed uh, when Penn State had a few guys on the ground, and one of those guys ended up having a season-ending injury, and he's sitting there being yep. booed by the crowd, you know. So, you got to be really careful with that, you know. And, and, and that issue drug on to the week, into this week. I mean, it was still being talked about in the press conferences with James Franklin and Kurt Frentz, and I'm not so sure it wasn't a distraction for Iowa going into the Purdue game because it would not die. That topic would not die all week um, in the press conferences. And um, anyway, you just need to be careful because sometimes those are injuries. Yeah, and all right, so the next thing – that's a great segue there. The next thing that pissed me off, okay – I was, and this was a, probably a foreshadowing of what was about to happen, which we're going to get to. It really pissed me off, okay? More than throwing stuff on the field pissed me off. The thing that pissed me off the most about Saturday night was when Matt Corral gets hurt, okay? And he goes yeah. down, okay? This is like, I don't know, two drives before the end. And it was, and I, matter of fact, when I saw the tackle live, I was like, ooh, 
because it was kind of got extended, his knee, his hip. I can't tell if it was his knee or his hip. It just looked awkward. And you can see, you know how it is when guys get tackled, there's awkwardness to it. I was like, get up. And he went down. The fans started cheering like they scored a touchdown. That's yeah, that's, that's classless. That piss. I don't care. I don't care if you're an Ole Miss fan. I don't care if you're a Tennessee fan, Alabama fan, Auburn fan. It doesn't matter who you're a fan of. When a kid gets hurt, okay, and he's a competitor now. I don't care if you if you hate him, or I mean, it's like Tom Brady, man. I don't care if you some people you either like him or, or you love him or you hate him. Or it doesn't matter. When somebody like that that gives their guts to the game, and he was playing with nothing but guts, okay. And we'll talk about the game in a second, okay. But nothing but guts. And when you go down and the other team's cheering like it's a touchdown, that's bullshit, man. That's, that's classless, okay? And that's not even classless. That's just – that's that's bad human. I mean, that's what I'm calling that. It's bad human. I mean, that's well, just the crazy, that's awful. The crazy thing to me is, is for some reason, completely civilized people, when it comes to sports, and especially college football, think that it's a license to be uncivilized. I mean, I bet you a lot of those people are civilized, good people, but when they walk into that stadium of college football, they think that now they have a license to be uncivilized and that the football players are somewhat gladiators and they can cheer for them to be hurt and, and do all this crazy stuff. And, you know, when I was coaching, I used to think it was crazy when, um, you know, maybe we had a bad game or something and I would get these, um, these notifications, okay, from fans – of the dirty things they would say to me on Twitter or whatever. And I would go to their, their, uh, their Twitter page and it would say stuff like, Hey man, I'm a man of God, a loving father, you know, do unto others as you would do unto And then the things they said to me were like demented. You know what I mean? I'm like, when is being a fan of college football allow you to be uncivilized? And I just think that we need to, get the grasp of that. We, we can't accept it. You know, if you're in the fans and somebody's acting that way, you know, it can't be accepted. It's it, being a college football fan does not give you a license to be uncivilized. True, true story. So you just reminded me of it right here. So when I had my, and, and of course, uh, my man, Jay boy, Jake from the J boy show brings it up on Friday about the binocular thing here at Ole Miss. That was a, a big to do back then. So I get, you know, all these messages and all this stuff. So I get one, I get one that says, I hope you die a slow and painful death up from anal cancer. And I was like, wow, that's strong. Right. I yeah. click on it. I click on it. The dude is a minister. That's what, yeah. I mean, and I'm I, like, and I, I hit him back with a God bless you. <laughs> and he deletes tweet and all that shit. I mean, you know what I mean? Like, I was like, uh, I was like, really? I was like. What I mean, I mean, I know it was. I mean, I understand your pain, but golly, I mean, but you know, that's that's my point. Is somehow they can live completely, you know, good lives, but they think, hey, when it comes to college football, that's when I can be evil. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's just crazy. All right, so let's let's start with the madness goes. But that that pissed me off. All right, yeah. so. Anyway, anyway, so that should have been a foreshadowing of what was about to occur. So anyway, it gets to four. They have fourth and twenty-four. You know, there's one play over, you know, and Ole Miss fans are having, like, shell shock when it's 4th and 25, so it's just 4th and 24. So, they were like, oh, you know, I guarantee – it was going through my mind, so I was probably going through some Ole Miss mind. So, 4th and 24, they throw a pass. The guy cuts it up, and they mark him short. Okay, so that's let, – let's talk about the spot, okay? And I'm going, I'm going to be honest on both sides from Tennessee people and Ole Miss people. All right, I believe the spot was wrong. 
that doesn't mean that he was he made it. I'm just saying from a where his and here's why it happened. Okay, the guy who's marking the ball was 20 yards down the field, so he was running down the field to try to you know catch to see where the the ball went down. And they don't have the yellow line, all that stuff. So he marked it basically where he saw the guy's knee go down, which it was. And they marked it basically a yard short. It was not a yard short, okay? Now, do I believe he was short? I don't know. I think if he he was very close. Because as his body, the camera angles and all that stuff, right? As his body is over, like he's got his right arm, like in his like top of his shoulder that are on the yellow line. But he had the ball kind of tucked under his left arm, and he was going down. So, I mean, it was really – it's probably as close as you could really get. He wasn't a yard away from it. Now, he may have been an inch away from it. He may have been on the line. But, again, the critical part of the drill was is they marked him short, okay? And there was no way in any green earth that there was any camera angle on an SEC network game at 6 o'clock, which is very important, and I'm going to bring that up. An SEC network game at 6 o'clock – that that was going to be overturned, okay? Because what people got to understand is like, unless you're if you're a prime the the an NFL game, that's why the NFL replay is so good because they have ten thousand camera angles from ten thousand cameras. If you're not on primetime ESPN or CBS or anything like that, you have fewer cameras. And I think we talked about this a hundred years ago with like Sun Belt games. You're never getting a uh, if you're in a Sun Belt game on on unless you're on the ESPN. If you're on ESPN Plus, you have like two cameras in the whole building. So the that there was no chance, and so that's why the angles were like almost from the press box. What they're having to use, it wasn't even it wasn't even a great angle. They don't have the cart to go back and forth, you know, on the sideline. So um, there was no chance. So that that pissed everybody off, and then and then the madness ensued. We had golf balls being thrown, water bottles. We had uh, my favorite was the mustard bottle. So like somebody again a license. Things started getting thrown, and some guy said, you know what I'm going to do? I'm probably going to go to the concession stand and grab whatever I can find. And they probably looked like they <laughs> found a mustard bottle. And they started humming a mustard bottle from the, from the deal. Okay? That's what I'm and talking so, about. It's crazy, yeah. man. It's insane. It's like The Purge. You know, you ever seen that movie, yeah. The Purge? I mean, that's what it was yeah. like. It's like The Purge. Yeah. And yeah. I mean, stuff started coming. And then so the Tennessee administrator actually came over and moved the Ole Miss players onto the field. Okay, so they're on the field, all right? And then somebody threw a golf ball, and I don't know if it hit. I'm sure he'll answer in a press conference today or tomorrow whenever he does his press conference. I don't know if it hit him or not, but it came really close. I mean, you saw it in the screen. It lucky either hit his leg or elbow or somewhere like that. But threw a golf ball. Like, why do you bring a golf ball to the game? Like, who brings a golf ball to a football game? You know what I mean? It's like, what are we doing? It's crazy. Um, and so all that happened. And then the craziest part is the game's not over, okay? And so what? another thing that ticks me off is this was a real good football game to watch as a fan, okay? I mean, Matt Corral's gutting it out, okay, which we'll talk about in a second. Matt Corral's playing his ass off. Tennessee is battling. I mean, kids are fighting, competing, and the story has nothing to do with the game. It's about people throwing stuff on the field, okay, right. and the way the fans acted. has nothing it's to do crazy. with the game. And – I saw something I probably – I have never seen in a college football game, and if you have, correct me, but I haven't. And so for the rest of the game, Lane is actually standing on the field. Like, it's almost like practice. He's out, like, by the bottom of the numbers with cops and stuff around him behind the play to so people – because people were, you know, hoping he couldn't reach him with the stuff from the stands as they finish the game. 
So he actually coached the end of the game or the offensive series. After that offensive series, Ole Miss goes three and out. They call timeouts. Tennessee drives right down the field, okay? They throw – they had one shot at the end zone, and it was incomplete. And then touchdown wins it. And then, again, we've talked about this, about when it's your opportunity, you got to strike. Milton comes in as quarterback, has three seconds left, and decides to run around for five minutes and then run out of bounds and never even threw it to the end zone. So that one, yeah, that was I was a like – bad decision. And the bad crazy decision. part is, is he stayed in the pocket forever – Okay, and then as he's scrambling, he looks up at the clock. I'm like, bro, you didn't know that there were three seconds? Like, you got one shot. And so, ran out of bounds, and that, that probably is not good for the – I mean, that's probably the worst part of the game, but nobody's even going to talk about that because of all the uh, the craziness that went down. So, so what what do you think happens to the Tennessee fans? I mean, I mean, can they well, I, hold I each person accountable? Or they, is there enough camera angles they can find the people that – Threw the things on there. I mean, the I only think the thing. Cops probably went in there and pulled. Like it could have ended pretty quick. Okay, and somebody said this on a TV broadcast, and I, I, I apologize. It was my man Cole Kublik was on the sideline. Um, Hart and Rogers were in the. I don't know what which one of them said it, but somebody said it, and I agreed with them. I said it from the jump. If they want to solve something like that when that happens, one of those police officers, because all you got, they're easy. It's easy to see. Okay. Okay. You can look up. This isn't the first time this has ever happened, by the way. Okay, just doesn't get what just is not as public as this. When people are throwing things at you from the stands, you can look up and you see the arm movement and you see the thing flying. Okay, so you can point out who it was. All right, it took it would take one cop to go up there and put somebody in handcuffs and drag them up and drag them all the way up the the aisle for that to go on, to stop. Yeah, that's 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 what true. they should have done. They probably right. should have gone up there and thrown somebody and one of the, and one of the broadcasters give them credit. Whoever said it, I agree with them one hundred percent. If they would have done that, it would have stopped. Okay? You know but that's what happens at that's what happens at NFL games. I don't know how many NFL games you've been to, but I mean they get rowdy in NFL games, and somebody gets out of hand, they're they're leaving in handcuffs. You know yeah. what I mean? And so you're right. I mean that would have, and they didn't, but. Um, that was that was that. So the craziness, man. It was uh, again. I hate it. That's the story is people throwing stuff and all that because it was a great college football game. Right. Great college football game. Yeah. Phenomenal. And and the other thing was is I think if that's not the story, and I don't think it's gonna hurt him. But that could have been Matt Corral's Heisman moment. I yeah. mean, he single handedly. He single-handedly won that game for Ole Miss. And if the story's not people throwing stuff on the field and all that, that's the story. That's his Heisman moment. I mean, the guy – so Braylon Sanders, which we're going to talk about this when we get to picks. Braylon Sanders goes out. They have – they can't – nobody can get open. Uh, Dontario Drummond was getting all the attention. And Matt Corral basically ran them way, ran them to victory with his feet. I mean, I, he was – I don't even know the stats, but – I'll look them up. You draw. They were they were running quarterback draw. You know, quarterback draw scrambled. I can't tell you how many first downs he got on third down and long. I mean, he single handedly won that game for them by himself, and it was getting no help. Um, And that's not his moment because we're talking about people throwing stuff in the in the in the deal. So yeah, I don't know. We'll, We'll we'll move on from there. All right. So next thing I want to talk about before we move on to picks is uh, David Beatty. 
okay, the former coach at Kansas, uh, last week, he gets uh, vindicated from all NCAA uh, accusations. Let's call them that. We'll call them accusations. And it wasn't even a story. And let me explain to the fans that don't know, and probably there's a lot of people probably listening that have no idea what I'm talking about. Okay, so I don't even know the year was two, three years ago, four years ago, whenever it was now. David Beatty was fired from the University of Kansas as the head football coach. And he was on the staff. That was before you guys got there, DJ. Correct. Um, and I'm going to talk. I'm going to talk, so you don't have to talk on this one. You can you can fill in the you can fill in what you want to fill in later on. But David, uh, I don't want to get you in trouble. All right. So David Beatty was fired, and the AD that was there was Jeff Long. Is it not correct on that though? It was Jeff Long, right? That's correct. That's, his, That's correct. I want to make sure. I knew it was Long. I want to make sure Jeff was the first name. All right. So Jeff Long thought he had a little niche. Okay. So when he was at Arkansas, he fired Brett Belima. And thought he could find a way out of not paying coaches their huge buyouts. Okay, so that that went with at Arkansas. That didn't work so well with for him there either. So Belima's since been vindicated on that. Well, then he gets to Kansas. And look, I've never worked with Beatty. I know you. I think you have, and I know a bunch of people that have. But mm-hmm. unbelievable human being. It tries to do everything the correct way. And so uh, he's a great guy. All right, and you agree, and I am correct by saying he tries to do everything the right way. Oh, he's an awesome guy. I worked with him at Rice, and he's a class act and a great staff guy, and he's just a good person. So long, and I know this for a fact, and this is not coming from you, and I want everybody to know this. This didn't come from DJ. This came from people that I know before I even knew DJ that were on that staff, okay? When he fires Beatty, the AD goes to – the AD goes to people on that staff that were still there and was trying to dig up dirt on Beatty, asking about was he cheating and doing a lot of stuff so he wouldn't have to pay him, wouldn't have to pay him the buyout. And then the thing that's really that dirtbag scum of this stuff is that not only did he do that, but the guy was like agreed to coach the rest of the year and was trying to do everything the right way. He wasn't cheating. I mean, and look, I, I'm, I'm going. I mean, I don't mean to be like Captain Obvious here, but if you looked at the record, they wasn't cheating, okay? You can look at somebody's record and tell if they're cheating or not, all right? They wasn't cheating. Well, I mean, you're it, right. Let me just say this, though. Beatty was even in a worse situation than we were and the fact that he only had 50-some guys on scholarship. He only had like right. 50, 50 scholarships. I mean, he was... He had a lot of uphill battles, and when we got there, we got it up to sixty. But you know, there's a serious scholarship problem there, and Beatty was was fighting through it. And so, yeah, and exactly. And so, my problem is this: is when he gets fired and gets accused of cheating, it's national news, man. He's not getting his buyout because he was cheating. It's national news. But this right. week, the dude gets vindicated from all charges. Had, I mean, holds a press conference, the whole thing. And if you're outside, if you're not in the coaching community and you didn't either hear about it on Twitter from somebody, from his him or his attorney or football scoop, you didn't hear about it. Right. And that pisses me off too is like why do people – and I, I get it. It's these same assholes that are doing the articles on Ed Orgeron, okay? Firing somebody because they cheated and all that, that's the big story. That gets our little clicks so we can get our, we can get our numbers up. But when somebody actually gets vindicated – it, like, it just it goes – I'm sorry, I hit my mic, Raquel. It just goes under the rug. And nobody even like – because now there's reputation in the public because they don't know the truth. They think, oh, this is the guy that cheated and didn't get, didn't get his buyout. No. And then the other thing is so he gets his buyout, okay, but then the other thing that really sucks 
is he gets the money that he owes him, but he's got to pay legal fees and everything else. I hope to God that he he gets his Kansas has to pay his legal fees or who, and, it, and it's not even really Kansas's fault. It's the guy that they they should make the AD who made the decision. They should make him pay. They, it's not Kansas's fault. It, it's it's the AD's fault. They should make him pay the attorney fees because now his buyout and probably what was his nest egg moving forward. Okay, is his retirement basically is now gone away because he had to pay legal fees to defend himself with nothing that everybody knew that he didn't do. It was a frivolous lawsuit, and it just it's a bad deal. And I encourage, I wish some people in the media, and look, let, let's, let's stand up for the good guys, man. I mean, I'm tired of all this. It's, it's such a ne- – we wonder why our country is in the way they are of being negative people and throwing shit. It's because we, we, we steer the way people think and just tell the truth. Now, if the truth is they cheat, write it. Write it. I'm not saying don't tell the truth. Just tell the truth. But the it's it, that's it. That's all that's all I've ever asked. And you know what? And how about and that's why people ask me all the time, like, you know, here at Ole Miss, right? There was always like uh Neil McCready, who runs the uh Rebel Grove site here at Ole Miss. Okay. I've known him for a long time. He got fired in Mobile for writing the truth. And it wasn't the truth didn't fit what they wanted the narrative to be. And I get it. It's self-preservation sometimes. I, I don't know what the deal is. But people are always like, oh, well, you know, Neil's a bad guy. For, no, he's not. Neil told the truth. And that's all I ever ask. If we screwed up and we did something wrong, tell the truth. That's all I ever asked of any media person ever, okay, is they have a job to do, but just tell the truth. Just tell the truth and don't write some, make up some stuff. And then when the truth, if it's okay writing that the guy got fired for allegations and all that stuff, it's okay. But also you should put the same exact effort in it when he's vindicated. You should. And that, and, and because now, you know, there's no, it just, I don't know, man, I'm hot. You can, I'm hot today. I came in firing hot today, DJ. So <laughs> I'm just, uh. ugh. Uh, I get you got you, anything man. else to add on that before I I'm, I'm sorry. I, all I can say is, is David Beatty's a good guy. I worked with him. He's got a great reputation and, and, um, this, um, NCA and investigation has prevented him from moving on. And I hope that now that he's been, um, exonerated that he can move on and, and continue to coach. I agree. I mean, that's, that's enough said on that one. All right, last two things I want to talk about before we move on to this week's picks because they're slim pickings this week. Um, how about the Iowa Hawkeyes getting popped at home? I know, and like I said, I wonder how much of the, you know, the fans booing and and that not dying in the press conference. I mean, that was the hot topic every day, and and in, uh, in Iowa City, we're, they're still talking about the last week's game, and I wonder how much of that was a distraction going into this Purdue game. Although I will tell you, Jeff Brom, I think, has Iowa's number. He's done a good job against them. What's it like, 4-1 or 5-1 against them since he's been right. there? Right. I mean, he, he's so, got to figure it out. But Well, the funny uh, thing is there was so much conversation about they don't deserve to be number two, they don't deserve number two. Well, now they're not number two, so we don't have to talk about that anymore. So, How about the best The best savage troll of the uh, weekend was Purdue's football uh, tweet said, we just beat the number two out of you. <laughs> that's pretty good that's pretty good that was pretty savage uh, uh, yeah, we good... just beat the number two out of you i mean whoever came up with that i mean like i'm kind of 
I'm kind of uh, impressed yeah. with their creativity. That's a that's a yes. that whoever you are, you're never gonna get credit because it's probably an intern somewhere. They're never gonna get any credit for it. But hey, <laughs> I I noticed it. I don't know who you are, but that was yeah. hey, kudos to you. That was that was pretty good. That was <laughs> that a good is one. Funny. That's right up my that's right up my humor alley right there. <laughs> All right, and then before we get to the picks, I cannot move on from what happened in the the great week of college football without talking about what occurred in Monroe, Louisiana on Saturday night. Oh my night. gosh. They got a they got some excitement going there, man. They're finding a way to win. The Fun Row Warhawks were 30 and something point dogs. And they outright that? win against Liberty. How about that, man? That's crazy. And Liberty's a good team, man. <laughs> Liberty's I mean, good. They are, they are a good team. I mean, that's crazy. Congratulations. And, and you know what is is I bet, because I know Hugh remembers where Arkansas State, we had to go down, you know, we've had to go down there, how hard it is going down there and play. He probably tried to tell his guys all week, you know, and it's, I don't know, but they – they kind of, you know, they got up and then, you know, Monroe just goes on a snowball and jumps up and they come back. And then at the very end, long field goal to win the game. I mean, and it was like, you know, they were going – it was it was an awesome ending. But the cool part was, to me, it was like they they decided to go – they were going to go for it on like fourth and six. It's going to be a long – a really long field goal. It was going like fourth and six, fourth and five, somewhere like that. They the timeout was called. They come back, you know, call timeout – think about it or whatever, and then they go back out with a field goal team, and he hits it. And that was just awesome, man. I was watching it. Um, I had I had about – my wife was going nuts. I had TVs on. I had computer screens on. I was watching it live. So, so so happy for Rich Rod and Coach Bowden. And, I mean, we got my man Dusty down there. We got Mike D down there. We got Ryan Garrett down there. We got the whole – a lot of the crew down there at Fun Row. And uh, so happy for those guys. And, and like, that's two now. You know, it's starting to get to the point to where if Monroe is like a twenty or thirty point dog at home, you may want to, I may start sprinkling money lines on it. You know what I mean? I mean, yeah. they find a. I mean, that's two. That's two that they've been like. So they're thirty point dogs, and they were twenty something point dogs. Twenty two, twenty three. I don't even remember what it was. It was in the twenties to Troy at home a couple of weeks ago and won. So the three and three fun row, three and three <laughs> after after not winning a game. And I think the over-under for season wins was uh, like one or one and a half or something like that. And, they're, I mean, so they're, they're they're doing a good job down there, man. So I'm happy for yeah, those Good. Guys. Congratulations. Keep it up, boys. All right. So you know what time it is, DJ? Pick time. It's pick time. And considering we tied, you know, it's just like golf. we got to go back to the last team yep. box. Correct. So, hey, just so everybody knows, this is this is pretty impressive. Just so everybody knows. So DJ went four and two, so that makes you like ten and two in the last two weeks. So you're 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 doing you're you're on you're on you've you've kind of yes. you're kind of hot. And then right. what's crazy is, so I have now come off the side. I'm, I'm not five hundred anymore. I'm like two games over five hundred. But you know I've only had one losing week. That's what's crazy is I'm so close to five hundred. I've only had one losing week. I've literally been three and yep. three every week. I had mm-hmm. a I had two 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 four and two weeks. And I had the one, two, and four week that we won't talk about. You're a scratch golfer is what you are. You're a scratch golfer. Well, that is inaccurate if you've played with me. So, um, <laughs> I, I am a I, – I, uh, I scratched a tree line with a golf ball when I hit it. But, it's <laughs> yeah, a long, but about, I do hit it a long way. I just can't. Like, I, I, I'm, I, I'm swinging for I, the goal, goal. I scratch my forehead when I golf, so. Yeah. If I would uh, – I can't say what uh, Wesley Crumdog McGriff 
uh, called my short game on in public, but I am uh, I have never found a par five that I didn't like to go for into. So I'll just say that. Like it's like <laughs> a personal. If I can, uh, uh, Matt Luke always said, if I can see the flag, if I can see the flag, I'm going for it. I don't care. I don't even care. I could. It could be. If it's 275 to the stick on a par five and it's 268 to carry the water, I'm still pulling out the three wood and we're going and we're going to give it a rip. So I'm like I'm the I'm the ten couple golfers. So but just not as good. All right, DJ, with your first pick for this week, let's get it started. Who you got? So Oklahoma uh, at Kansas. Oklahoma is 38.5 um, point uh, favorites, and I'm taking Oklahoma. I think Caleb Williams is playing lights out I think um, Oklahoma with him behind the center looks like the team that we anticipated to see this year and um, I think that they're going to win this by more than 38 and a half points DJ I'm also picking this game as my first pick okay Oklahoma's playing Kansas is it at 38 and a half now I thought it was what do you have yeah. it at? I had it at 38 but I did it last night so okay if it, it doesn't matter 38 38 and a half it, you know why it doesn't matter? Because it's not enough. Not enough. Yeah. Like, uh, this line should be – this should be one of those, like, 52-point lines. It really should be. Um, I, I don't even care. Take Oklahoma yeah. and whatever. They're going to score. Oh, the only way that – the only way Kansas covers this game is if Oklahoma decides uh, to take the starters out in halfway through the first drive. That's it. And they still may cover. Yeah. So, Oklahoma – Oklahoma, minus 38, I'm with you. All right, DJ, pick two, who you got? Pick two, Oklahoma State at Iowa State. Iowa State is favored by seven, and I'm taking Oklahoma State. I mean, I watched the Texas game. Those guys are playing good defense. Um, I know the game's at Iowa State, but Oklahoma State has a lot on the line. They're undefeated, eighth-ranked team in the country. I think they're going to come out with a victory here. Or not not necessarily a victory, but they're definitely going to keep it um, within seven. DJ, my second pick is also the Oklahoma State-Iowa State game. And just like this, two in a row, I'm going with – this is dangerous, DJ. I think we're we, – last week was the first time we actually picked a game together that we lost. Um, yeah. So, we, when we see things – when we see things, just a, a thing to the listeners, when we see things on the same page of each other, it's usually pretty good. I think we're like 8-1 and one or so. I went back and looked at it. We're like 8-1 and one, we picked the same thing. Wow. Yeah. I realize that. I'm taking Oklahoma pl- State plus seven – against Iowa State, and guess what, DJ? This is my, my lock. Oh, no, this is lock. my lock. It's my wow. lock. I'm getting wow. seven points for Oklahoma State. They're playing really good right now. And for me, Iowa State, Iowa State is like Wisconsin to the Vegas. They must have naked pictures of somebody. They always get like – how are they favored? Like, I don't even understand. Well, um, Iowa State is probably your uh, perception of Wisconsin because Wisconsin always ends yeah. up favored. You know what I mean? That's oh, probably I know. the way you We'll looking. get to them in just a second. You're, you're, but I, I, I know, but it's like I don't even know. Like, I mean, they're a decent – they're a solid football team. Yeah. They are. They're, they're above average. But they're not seven points better than Oklahoma State. Now, I could be wrong like I am sometimes, but I'm taking Oklahoma State. That's my lock. I love it. Plus seven. Gotcha. All right, DJ, who, who you got? Third pick. Next – the third pick for me is BYU at Washington State. Um, BYU is – is getting one, and uh, I think Washington State's going to win this game. I'm taking this as my money line. Uh, okay. Washington State's playing playing good football right now. I've had some big wins. Uh, BYU just lost um, to Baylor, 
Granted, Baylor's a good team, but um, I'm going with, the, with Washington State. Okay. All right. All right, I'm going to start with my third pick, okay? And if you're listening to this, and I'll have to, I'll probably have to put a tweet out or something to make sure everybody knows this. Coastal Carolina, they're playing Wednesday, okay? So the podcast comes out Wednesday, so this is going to be pretty quick. Coastal Carolina are three-point favorites against App State. Okay, that is nowhere near enough. Okay, App State's struggling a little bit right now. Coastal Carolina is rolling. I mean, I'm talking about they are rolling. And here's what's funny is I think they're in position, okay, because of how good since they're, – they're the biggest Cincinnati uh, Bearcat fans of all time. Coastal Carolina is in position. If they run the table, okay, they're going to get into a uh, – they're going to be uh, into the into the bowl game, a group of six bowl game. What do they call it? I don't even know what they call those bowl games. New Year's Six bowl games. Because if Cincinnati makes the playoffs, then the group of five team will get in. So, Coastal Carolina, minus three all day long, twice on Sunday. I love the guys at App State, but, but Coastal Carolina is running, running hot right now. You know, that goes back to what I was saying a couple of weeks ago about your schedule. And sometimes if it's a tough schedule or if it's a lighter schedule, it could be advantageous to you. And BYU is independent and – and I don't know if you look at them as a Power Five team or not, but they play a Power Five schedule. The thing about BYU, yep. I mean, they they played. I mean, they played Baylor last week. They got Washington State this week. They've already played three other Pac-12 teams, and and they're five and two. I wonder if some of these Group of Five teams had the same schedule as them, where they would be. You know, and, yeah. And that's one that's one thing that I'll give credit to the BYU uh, administration is their scheduling to show how good they are for sure. The hard part, the hard part when you're like a coastal Carolina, like when you're independent, you can go out and schedule who you want to schedule. Like Liberty can right. go out and schedule who they want to schedule. Notre Dame can, BYU right. can, all that, right? When you're, when you are a, uh, let's talk like coastal Carolina, you're a Sunbelt school, okay? When you can go in and schedule this power schedule, but by the time that schedule rolls around, you may not be very good, okay? Because right. the Sunbelt, the Sunbelt's like this, okay? Right. And you, you you may not want to play those games. You may want to play the lighter games, and because you may not be very good. And you know that that's the problem because you the Sun Belt the schedule league schedule is what it is. Now the Sun Belt's getting better, but the the crazy thing about the Sun Belt I always call it the the SEC of the uh, Group of Five because every year you could be the worst team the year before and you go to being one of the better teams. And then, by, and you know, and it's just that's just how it goes, and that because you're really one player away from because there's so so much equity, you know, uh, I said equity, so much parity uh, amongst the rosters. So, all right, DJ, who you got? Pick four. Pick four. South Carolina at A&M. Uh, A&M's getting 21. I'm taking A&M. Okay, I think A&M's, and this is this is my lock too. I think A&M's going to win this game by more than 21 points. Yep, that was that one's a very interesting one. Um, I screwed up. That's another thing I did. I, I meant to I meant to tell the fans. I completely, completely and utterly screwed up. I for some reason or another, I didn't even, it didn't even click in my head. I must have been tired or something Sunday last Sunday when I was going over all these deals. If I had known what the Texas A and M Missouri line was in my head and it clicked, I would have not bet on Nebraska and I would have taken that line all day long. And I can't believe I missed that. I, I learned it as the week going on. I may or may not have taken it on Saturday and done very well with it. But 
Yeah, I, I, you know, A and M. Here's what's scary is they're starting to, they're starting to score, starting to, starting to score. And when A and M can score, you know, things are starting yeah. to get like they're, they're a different team. Yeah. Before I jump completely, I didn't have any problem with betting them against Missouri, none. And I'm probably not going. I just I don't like 21 points. I got I don't know something. I hate the 21 point deal. Now I don't mind. I probably buy a hook. And play it at twenty and a half if it gets down. I just hate for whatever reason that twenty one those big line numbers scare me. Uh, but yeah, I don't. I wouldn't. I do not disagree with that pick. I would probably pick that too. Um, I had it down as one of my possibles, but I just didn't go with it. All right, my next pick, my pick four is I'm going back to the whale. It's been a couple of weeks because I didn't like the matchups. I love the matchup this week again. Somebody in Madison, Wisconsin has sent text messages to the bookies in Vegas that set the lines of, remember, we have naked pictures of you. Make us favorites. And so, again, <laughs> they are favorites on the road at Purdue. They are three-point favorites. This total in this game, I don't even know what the – I bet the over – I haven't even looked at it. I guarantee you the over-under in this game is in the 30s. I don't even know. But I bet you it's in the 30s because Purdue's pretty good on defense now. They just held – you know, Iowa to seven. I mean, they're they're good on defense. They're they're good on, but so is, and they can throw the ball a little bit. I think Purdue wins this outright. I'm taking Purdue money line against Wisconsin. Okay, I'm taking it. I, ch- I actually had another game as my money line. I'm going to flip it around here. I'm taking the Purdue money line against at home against Wisconsin because again. The guy, somebody in Madison has naked pictures of some of the bookies in Vegas. They're wrong. They're wrong. Yep. Yeah, Purdue so. is playing good. I give you that. They are playing good defense. And Jeff Brom's always a good uh, offensive coach, tough guy to defend, too. So. All right, go ahead. All who, right. Who you got next? Uh, next game for me is FAU at Charlotte. And um, FAU's favored by five and a half. I'm taking Charlotte. You know, Charlotte's been good to me this year. And I think they have, they have good been team. good to you. Yep, Charlotte and UTEP, man, made me some money. So, uh, I'm going with Charlotte. I knew as soon as I saw that, you're riding them. You're starting to become a rider. I see you. <laughs> hey, how about UTEP, man? UTEP 6-1, and one, man. UTEP is 6-1. And, and, and covering. UTSA? How about UTSA? Uh, Undefeated. I know. I know. It's crazy. Those guys are doing great, man. I, I'm excited. I, I get it. I, I, I'm happy for guys when they have success like that. Mm-hmm. Um, My next game. All right. I'm going to the well a little bit here too. I was just waiting on them to play again. Okay. You know who's been? You know who I'm starting to become a rider of. Like if they win this week, it's officially over. I'm a rider. The Houston <sighs> Cougars. Oh yeah, I got you on them. But yes, the Houston. You, like Houston you got. Team. Hey, you kind of. Hey, you. It's on you. You kind of got me on those guys. Yes. But here's what's the difference that that people aren't realizing. You know what they're doing in Houston that hasn't been done like. Another thing that's pretty – that arguably, like, Georgia's getting all the credit for defense. My man Doug Belt at Houston is killing it right now because they are playing defense with – on the other side, they're playing tempo. You know, right. Georgia's playing defense, but they're not playing tempo on the other side. Right, right. They're playing defense, and nobody even is, right paying attention. I know. And they're also that's going impressive. fast with Dana and scoring all that stuff. That's impressive. My man, my man Doug Belt's gonna screw up and get him a big, big time gig after this year. You watch that. Just write that okay. down. 
My Got man it. Doug Belt is going is going to get him a big time gig. I'm going Houston minus thirteen against East Carolina. Dang. Strictly riding, strictly riding. Hey, well, I'm in. I'm in favor of that. You know, I'm a Houston grad. I, I got my masters at Houston. Go Cougs! So I'm in favor. Go Cougs! I yeah. look, Doug Belt. Doug Belt, the defense. We worked together at Alabama. He's an unbelievable human being and a great ball coach. Okay, I mean, he is. He's just a good dude, man. And he's got him playing. It's just you know he finally got a shot to be a DC, and and it's like you knew it the whole time. You, there was no. There was no. He's one of those guys that you knew once he got a shot, he was going to be really good. And, uh, man, they're doing a great job on defense. So, that's why I'm taking them. Cougs, go Cougs. Keep rolling, man. All right, I uh, my next game is Washington at Arizona. And Washington is favored by 17, and I'm taking Washington. I think they're going to beat Arizona by more than 17. Arizona just lost 34-0 to to Colorado last week, and they are in disarray. And uh, Washington's getting better. Yeah. It's the, and they're they're still over, correct? Arizona still they over. They are over. Yeah, they lost uh, Northern Arizona, you know, okay. earlier in the year, and um, and so they had chance. I mean, that was a game that they had a chance to win, and uh, so they're over. You know, what I'm going to chalk that up to. Be careful what you wish for, because you just may get it. That's, mm-hmm. what, I'm, that's what I'm going to chalk that one up to. All right, the my last. I guess this is my, that was your last pick, right? That's it, man. All right, here comes my last pick, okay? And I just I, – this is just – I think this is solid. I do, and I'll tell you why. I'm going Clemson is playing Pitt this weekend. Okay, Clemson. The same team that was favored over Georgia in the first game of the year, just so everybody knows that, are underdogs or three-and-a-half-point dogs against Pitt. I'm taking Clemson plus three-and-a-half, like – Clemson's the real deal on defense, and they are, they're really good on defense. Offensively, they're struggling. But, look, man, it's Clemson. I mean, I'm just taking, like, you got better athletes, okay? You got good coaches. Like, just you're not going to lose by more than a field goal. If they lose by a field goal, we still win, okay? So, I'm taking Clemson plus three and a half. I just don't think you get beat by a touchdown. I don't. I know Pitt's good. Narduzzi's a ball coach. But I'm just going athletes here, and you're Clemson. Like, you know how to win. I mean, this is not a – this is not, hey, we're trying to find our groove or whatever. Like, you're pretty damn good, okay? They've won two national championships. I mean, like, let's go. You know, let's go. I mean, let's let's figure a way to keep it under a field goal. So, I'm going Clemson plus three and a half. First time I think I've bet with Clemson uh, all year. So, but, I mean, dude, come on. You're dogs. And they and they yep. and they find you know let's go I can't just whatever. Well, we all we all keep waiting. We know how much talent they have, and we know how good their coaches are. We all keep waiting for it to get turned around and the offense to start clicking. Maybe this is the week. Uh, let's yeah, let's hope this is the week. Uh, <laughs> you know, there's not a there's there's not a great slate of games this week. You know, uh, allegedly, you know, by the by the on paper, but you know there'll be good games. But I have I have some asterisks down here because I know we have. Uh, uh, we have a ton of listeners in SEC country, and the biggest game of the week in SEC. There's two of them. I guess you got Alabama, Tennessee, and you got um, LSU, Ole Miss. This is the one I want to talk about. All right, LSU, Ole Miss. You know, and this it. This is a very interesting game. I'm going to bet this game. Okay, I didn't put it in my picks, but I'm personally going to bet on this game. 
But I am going to wait till two. The game kicks off at two thirty. I'm going to wait till about two twenty-five before I bet it because there's things I need to know between Monday morning and Saturday before I know which way I want to go. If everything, if Ed Orgeron doesn't get fired, okay, if Ed Orgeron, this doesn't happen, Ole Miss is favored by ten and a half, okay. If Ed Orgeron did not get fired on Monday and Braylon Sanders was out for Ole Miss, I'm taking LSU plus 10.5 all day long. All right, because LSU is going, they found a running game, and that's what Ole Miss doesn't want to see. Okay, I think they're beat up. I don't know how many of them are flops and how many of them are injuries. I'm not going to pretend I know because I really don't. But Ole Miss has played three physical games back to back to back, and you got guys playing on 80, 90, 100 snaps on defense. That is, it starts stacking up. And if LSU could run the football, I would take it all day. But what here's what I don't know. I don't know how many guys are going to quit and opt out before the before Saturday. You know, I don't know. I mean, that's what happened last week, and they came out one. But they had, they had all these guys. They had guys get hurt, and they had guys, you know, magically opt out and those things. Like, what happens between now and Saturday from an LSU perspective? Uh, where's their mindset at? We'll try to learn as the week goes on. And then here's the thing that I would be worried about from an Ole Miss perspective. Okay, when Braylon Sanders went out, and it's not that Braylon Sanders is like, you know, Elijah Moore or anything, or he's, you know, some – first round pick but it took pressure off of the other guys okay and he will get open okay and he's got a lower body injury is what they call it I don't know what it is I haven't asked I don't want to know but um he looked he was struggling running when if it was a hamstring or something like that he probably won't go but when you when they were able Tennessee was able to basically take Drummond out of the game the tight end was out and I don't even know who number zero's name is, but he had a rough game, man. But And he ain't the answer. That's why Matt Corral had to do everything by himself because he had no help. They couldn't – they wasn't very successful in running – you know, Tennessee stopped the run, okay, and they forced Matt Corral to run the football. And he did. And he single-handedly won the game. But what I'm saying is this, is if Braylon Sanders can't go, that doesn't mean Ole Miss is not going to score. It just means they're not going to be scoring 50, you know, all those 50-point games and all that stuff and just going up down the field all day long. They need receivers to get, you know, to play too high, to take the pressure off the run, all those things. And when you can, when you don't have that threat, I mean, it's tough. And, and look, Matt Corral is the Heisman Trophy winner. He's the best player in college football. But if the guys aren't open, he can't, you know, he can't make chicken salad out of chicken you-know-what, right? And so he'll take off running. And that's just not sustainable. He doesn't need to be carrying the ball for 200 yards a game in this league, okay, because he's going to get beat up. And that's and if he goes down, it's a whole different ball game in Oxford, Mississippi now. And so that's a big key for me this week moving forward to see, hey, does Braylon go? Is he out? That That's the whole deal because, the tight, like I said, the tight end's out. And they just – they don't have any depth, man. I mean – you know, Dennis Jackson is good enough to do it. And he he, but he's just not he's not playing a lot for some reason. Jaden Jackson is talented enough to do it. He's not playing for whatever reason, and I'm not the coach. I don't know why. Are they talent? I don't know anything about number zero. I don't know anything about the guys that transfer in from Western Kentucky. But they just and a tight end was dinged up, and Chad Kelly's uh, Casey Kelly, Chad Kelly's brother was in there. He does some good things, but he's not a vertical stretch guy. So. 
it's going to be very interesting to see what occurs between Monday morning and Saturday. I, I will wager on it, okay? I just don't know which way yet. Is LSU going to be the team that showed up against Kentucky and quit because their coach got fired? And if that happens, Ole Miss can boat race them. I mean, this could, this game could go either way, man. And I'm not going to be surprised if, if – and if you told me right now, if you said, hey, I woke up on Sunday morning and the score was – LSU scored 50 points and Ole Miss scored 30. I wouldn't be surprised either because that told me that they ran the ball right down the throat and, and Braylon Sanders was out and they didn't – I mean, I can see it going both ways, man. I mean, all over the place on this one. And it, like I said, depends on what happens between right now and Saturday afternoon on both sides. So, what do you think what, – what's your take on LSU Ole Miss this week? I'm right with you. I think that um, with this announcement, that changes everything. You know, and, I mean, I, I, I wouldn't saw LSU play live against Kentucky and in Kentucky, you know, just manhandled them. And, and that was part of the reason why that pick that we, you and I both had that Florida would beat them by more than 10. Because they quit. But, yeah, you know, but let me tell you something. They showed up in that Florida game. And you're Ooh. right. They had a running game. They had, I mean, it was, it was like they had a new life. And so I'm sitting here thinking going into this week, this Ole Miss game is going to be more interesting than we anticipated it was going to be. Yeah, now, you th- now you throw the wrench in there that uh, Ed Ogeron's not going to be there. I mean, I don't know which direction this thing's going to go. One thing I will tell you, and you and I have always talked about this, okay, when it comes to upsets is does the other team have talent? And if the other team has talent, then there's a real opportunity for an upset. I mean, you go into Alabama A&M, A&M has talent. Now, you talked about going into Mississippi State. That was a different animal for Alabama. Remember, but A&M has remember, talent. You know what I mean? And remember what the number two thing is. Talent and controlling the line of scrimmage. Correct. Yep. And, and LSU can do both of those things. Exactly. So, I mean, this game is going to be interesting. And let's be honest. You know, LSU is probably one of the more talented teams in the country. So it's not like Ole Miss is going in here and they're playing somebody that they can just beat up on based on based on just showing up. You know what I mean? It, you don't know what LSU team you're going to see, and, and the potential that the LSU players have is through the roof. I mean, what, what if it goes the other way? Think about this. What if they're so motivated that they play for Coach O? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. You have, and, and he has that capability of doing that. I mean, because right. he is – the players love him now. Right. Okay? I mean, you're not going to find many players that don't like the guy. So um, – Because he, he does – he's all about that. But, I mean, you just don't know. And then – and here's the thing, and I want the fans to understand this. They go – you know, they're thinking about one thing. All right, I want everybody at home, if you're – if you're when you're listening or wherever you're, you're listening, you have a job, okay? You have a job. Well, guess what? Yesterday, your boss came up to you, and he said, "Hey, here is seventeen. I don't know what the, it's over seventeen million. I'll just say seventeen million. Here's seventeen million dollars. Hey, now listen. In five weeks, your job's over with. Here's your. I'm giving you your notice for five weeks. You're out of here. But here's seventeen million dollars. You're probably not the normal human being. Is probably not going to be really gave, give a shit about what goes on the next five weeks." Okay, I mean, they're already checked out. I mean, they're probably cleaning out offices and or whatever. But it changes your mentality. I mean, and look, Ed is a fighter. He's going to go to the end. But at the end of the day, like, 
if Mama, hey, look, if I'm coaching, I'm just going. I will be honest with you right here. If somebody, I would want to finish too. But if Mama, if 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 he it goes, hey, here's seventeen million dollars, Tyler. Here's seventeen million dollars. Hey, you're done at the end of five weeks. Okay, at the end of the season, you're you're out of here. You know those those eleven thirty, midnight, one a.m. Monday nights and Tuesday nights. That ain't happening this week. I'm I'm gonna go to about seven thirty eight, and then I'm coming home. You know, I'm still gonna work, but I'm not I I'm not gonna die. You know, how much does that really affect? Does that make sense? Like seventeen well, and a I, half million dollars. I mean, I think I think it's a bigger effect on the assistant coaches. I, I, I would agreed. imagine that Ed, I would imagine that Ed, knowing that this is the last five weeks that he's going to coach as the head coach at LSU, he's going to want to leave with a great legacy. He's going to want to win every one of these games and say, I was the head coach at LSU and this was my record over three years. And if he wins all five of these games, that's going to be a heck of a record. You know what I mean? And I won a national yeah. championship. How about so, again, what, how awesome would it be if he gets fired going down in three, if he wins the rest of them? He wins six in I a know. row. How awesome would that be? I know. But the assistant coaches, they didn't get $17 million, No, right? they did not. So, so where it's going to be an issue is the assistant coaches, looking along with – co- they're looking for jobs. I mean, yep. they're they're in the evening calling their friends saying, hey, what jobs do you think are going to open up? You know, where can I get in? You know, keep me keep me in mind, this and that. They're They're not necessarily – all in right now because they know that their future at LSU is 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 up in the air. That's where it's an issue. Yep, I didn't, and I'm glad you brought that up because I didn't even I didn't even think about. I mean, I thought about it, but I didn't talk about that. But that's a 200 percent point. Is like you're not even like Ed's gonna be good. He doesn't have to coach ever again if he doesn't want to. Right. You know, he can just he can go volunteer for his at McNeese State where his son's a quarterback. It doesn't matter. He doesn't have to. He doesn't have to receive another dollar. But and the coordinators probably don't have to work much longer. The coordinators got good deals too. There, they they pay their coordinators. But these assistants and even the support staff guys and I mean it goes all the way down. The guys not making hardly anything. They're looking for employment instead of focusing on what instead of focusing on the task at hand. And and here's another thing. And it's like the importance, right? Is so from a fan's perspective, they're like this game's important. Saturday, you got to do your job. You know, do your job. But these guys got families. They're not uh, – the game is secondary depending on how I'm going to feed my family after five, from five weeks from now. You know what I mean? Like it's – Correct. It's a completely different mindset. It's not a game – you know, that the game is that like your loyalty – I always say this, the number one loyalty always lies at the house. Okay? It li- exactly. It lies with your family. And exactly. That's second – that's second even third, you know, tertiary or whatever. See, I like that word, tertiary. I pulled that out. I learned that. I have that no idea what that means. With my, but go yeah, ahead. That's, that's my college education coming out on you. I actually have a master's okay. degree. All right, so. So do I. And so, so do I. Do you? That's why we're so popular, because we're so smart. Okay. Masters of education. That's right. All right, so, but, <laughs> you know, that, that that part that goes on with coaches, I, I don't think a lot of people understand that. So I think it's, uh, they're going to be focused about other things. But we'll see. Like, I, if they come out and play, they're very – LSU is more – extremely more than capable even with Braylon Sanders playing to win in this game because they can control the line of scrimmage and they have talent. All right. The other stuff that's out there, the injury report, how beat up is Ole Miss? We don't know. All right. But how, how beat up is Ole Miss? How does, how does LSU respond this week? Those are the big, I mean, like this thing could go, I mean, if they go out and quit, if they LSU comes and just shows up and quits, Ole Miss could boat race them very easily. 
Um, I don't know, man. Well, I'll, I'll try to – I'll figure it out one way or another, see what happens between now and uh, and uh, Saturday. So, be interesting. Yep, it will be. So, so well, we're going to end with that. And, look, guys, make sure – we're, we're on uh, YouTube as well. So, if you would like to watch on YouTube, the Home Visit channel on YouTube, mm-hmm. please – I. I do a terrible job of telling people that. So we actually do have videos on YouTube. Uh, Raquel puts up the picks every week, our pick segment on uh, YouTube, along with the full episodes. Uh, check us out on YouTube. Make sure you subscribe and uh, to the podcast. And look, remember, we love our three-star review. People like everybody probably logs on thinks our podcast sucks because we got like a 4.0 rate. Because <laughs> some people, some people don't hear that and they give us five stars. And then the, the cool people give us three stars, so we kind of like average out in the four point. I think our average is like 4.0, so it's probably a good thing. Uh, yeah. But, look, hey, we love our three stars because that's how we roll here. Uh, but yeah. make sure you subscribe. Like, people are so pissed. My wife, everybody's mad at me for telling everybody to do that, but it is what it is. <laughs> subscribe. That's <laughs> my, my humor, baby. I love it. Subscribe. Leave your three-star review. And until next time, take care. We'll see you. Purchase new wiper blades from O'Reilly Auto Parts today and we'll install them for free. See better and drive safer with O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, oh, oh.